Welcome to Pivot, where we talk with leading event promoters, brand marketers, destinations, and fun development experts on how their work has changed and continues to change as a result of the pandemic. We will explore creative ways these industries have adjusted to these unpredictable times. You'll have an inside look at how organizations and large-scale events are strategically changing to meet today's new normal. It's a look back as well as a look to the future and the dynamic days ahead. Please welcome host Tavi Fulkerson, founder of the Fulkerson Group, a sponsorship and marketing agency based in Detroit, Michigan. On today's program, I'd like to welcome Michael Montry, president of the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, presented by Lear, but he is also an executive at Penske and is very involved with the Indianapolis 500 as well as the IndyCar series, which were acquired by Penske Corp last year. Michael, uh, welcome. Thanks, Tabby. Appreciate and, you having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Last weekend, of course, you were down there, you know, like around the clock, but it was probably the Grand Prix was probably one of the most exhilarating Grand Prix's that I've been to since I started uh, working on the Grand Prix since 2007. Uh, what was it like for you? It, <laughs> it was it was the same. I'll, I'll tell you. A couple weeks ago, before the Grand Prix. We were at the Indy 500, and there were 135,000 fans in the stands, and and that's that's about 100,000 short of what the capacity is there, just in the grandstands, and um, and I think we all kind of went into that event not really knowing what to expect. Are the guests there going to be a little melancholy because they haven't been out? Is it not going to feel the same because you know there are 100,000 fewer people there than typical? And, and I I got to tell you, it was um, it was phenomenal. Everybody was so happy to be there, and and. You know, Elio won, of course, and it was just a, a historic day there. And and I'll tell you, rolling into the Grand Prix in Detroit, it was much the same, smaller scale. We didn't have quite 135,000 people. <laughs> That's there, for sure. <laughs> but but it was the same. It was this electric feeling that everybody was just really excited to get out of their house, to get to an event that has been around for 30 years in Detroit, that has really become kind of a cornerstone of the summer here. And and just the fact that people were in such a good mood, I'll tell you the weather helped. Of course, we had a great weather weekend, which uh, sometimes isn't the case uh, on Belle Isle during the Grand Prix, but everything just kind of fell into place. I'll tell you the last minute there, a lot of planning involved, of course, but, but a lot of it, you know, that you can't control like the weather just kind of fell into place nicely and um and it turned out to be just a great weekend there so thanks for thanks for saying that oh i mean it it really was electric and and i I suppose at this time we should also acknowledge bud denker who uh, is president of penske corp and also chairman of the chevrolet detroit grand prix presented by lair both of you were uh, working so very, very, very hard, and I know a lot of the backstory, of course, working with you and Bud over the last several weeks. It really was an incredible transition. Was it just just a little over a month ago that you only thought you could have about 2,000 fans, and then it just kept growing and growing? It really escalated quickly, I'll say. <laughs> One of those, the cliche, well, that escalated quickly. Uh, it kind of happened um, to us, and then it wasn't until about two weeks before the Grand Prix when... The final order came out for outdoor events and 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 all the the mask policies were lifted and the the attendance restrictions were lifted so it was really kind of a three three stage process starting a long time ago and then all of a sudden we got close to the finish line and it really started to 
to pick up steam. And, and before you knew it, we didn't have any restrictions. And, you know, Michael, may, many people may not realize, but you and the team, um, the operations team, they have to create that entire race uh, site from pretty much from scratch. So you had to make very hard decisions along the way about grandstands and whether there'd be a concert stage and the family fun zone. And all of that really had to have been very challenging to realize that you couldn't have them, really. Oh, yeah. We were shooting at a moving target for this whole year. And we started, again, a long time ago thinking, well, if we don't have any fans, at least we can still have the event and we can get, you know, get the race in for the series. And then that changed a little bit. And, okay, now we can have some fans. We're going to have 20% in our grandstands, but we can't have anybody else. We can't have general admission. And then it opened up where we could have general admission. And with each of those iterations, a whole separate planning process comes into play. Like you said, Tavi, it's a temporary event and it's um, we build everything. It's, it's in a public park, right? So think about building a city in the course of 30 days, having the event and then tearing it down in about three weeks. That's really what we go through. So there's no electric power. There's no water supply. There's no just anything you would need for a city. We have to provide and build there. Um, seats, grandstands, tents, um, and, and these vendors, the scale at which we do this event, these vendors come from long ways away. I mean, the tent vendor we use also does the the tent for the Super Bowl, the tents for the Super Bowl. Um, they come from, you know, Wisconsin. And our grandstand company is a huge grandstand company based in Maryland um, that also has other business in town, but they also do the inauguration for the president every year. And so these are large vendors who come with large infrastructures from a long way away. And you can't just snap your fingers and have them show up with with a grandstand or a tent or what have you. So all of that planning has to be in effect for a long time in advance, and it takes a long time to plan. And with each of those changes, we had to switch, you know, what we were ordering and how much of what we were ordering and, and all that stuff. It really was remarkable to experience and watch. I'm not on the operations side, but to see how the evolution of no fans to you ended up having, I think, I think Bud said, was it 30,000 people? Uh, over the course of the weekend. Yeah, yeah. over the course over of the, the weekend. Course of the weekend. Yep. Um, and yep. it, it just, it was really quite remarkable. Um, the event was beautiful. Uh, it was absolutely spectacular. And I think everybody and you and Bud and the whole team should be commended for all the um, the activities you had to do. Uh, the fans were incredibly loyal and so were the sponsors. That's what was really yeah. incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it really was. And and everybody was just happy to be there. And we created a couple additional areas for our ticket ticket holders that we typically don't have available. And I think I think they appreciated having, you know, a different view of the track surface and the drivers and the cars um, that they typically don't get an, a chance to experience. Um, and, th and that was all because we, we usually have some corporate hospitality there that we move to a different portion of the venue, um, again, just because of all those iterations of planning uh, changes. So um, everybody was happy to be there. Our, our corporate suites right now, uh, they, they were sold out, first of all, which which in a you know, just coming out of a pandemic is a huge credit to, um, you know, quite frankly, to you and your team and, and, and how you work with us, Tavi. And then, and then in addition to that, uh, they've all renewed for next year. Uh, we called them all the day after and, and they yeah. were, it was such a good time and, and they were so happy to be out and 
and um, and uh, it just all kind of fell into place nicely. So yeah, uh, th- thank you very much for that nice compliment, Michael. It was our pleasure to to work with all of you. And you know, I was just thinking about how you you had to move those the, the trackside chalets where they only really could see two turns to being really on the overlooking the pits. So in essence, it's kind of like when you buy a coach ticket and get upgraded to first class. It was really something. I think the chalet participants were just delighted and overjoyed. The racing was exciting too. It had three series. You've got yeah. the NTT IndyCar series, and then you have the Indy Light series presented by Cooper Tire, and then you have the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So the racing itself was incredibly dynamic with some serious accident on Saturday and others. And then, of course, that photo finish at the end, I realized that it wasn't a Penske win, but still it, it created a lot of excitement yeah, uh, in it, the stands. It, it was. Yeah, it, it, it really did. And and I'll tell you, IndyCar race, NTT IndyCar Series racing right now is um, second to none. I mean, just the competition in the series, the number of cars that can compete and win. If you take any other racing series out there, particularly open wheel series like IndyCar is, and think about the, the number of teams that on any given weekend that have a real legitimate chance to win, IndyCar is far and away the highest likelihood that anybody can win. In Detroit, we have a doubleheader every year, as you know, and it was the seventh and eighth races of the season. And the first six stops of the series, every race had had a different winner. And then the first day of our race, Marcus Erickson won. It was his first win in in, in IndyCar. So through the first seven races of the year, seven different winners, that's just Mm. unprecedented, unheard of, unheard of. And then on on the eighth day, of course, on Sunday, uh, Pato Award won, who is just an electrifying um, young um, up-and-coming racer from Mexico and uh, just made some incredible moves over the last few laps, came from sixth place back with a fresh set of tires and just just really blew it out of the water over the last four or five laps. He passed Joseph Newgarden, who had who had led all 67 laps up to that point. And heartbreaking for Joseph and Team Penske, but um, what an electrifying win for uh, for Pato and his fans. And he's uh, he's becoming very popular in Mexico. I will tell you. <laughs> oh, isn't that isn't that great? Well, you wear so many hats. It was really very 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 exciting. And I did speak to Merrill Kane, who handles all the PR for so many things for Penske. Corp, including um, the race last weekend, but he did share with me that on Saturday, the NBC network coverage was up 10% and that it was the NBC coverage on Sunday was up 26%, both in comparison to the 2019 race. I mean, that is very, you know, it's great to be there in person, but to have that many people watching had to be just, just terrific news. Yeah, it it is. And that's, that's really, really what's going to What's going to move the series forward is is the momentum like that that you just mentioned. There is a lot of momentum right now. You know, as you mentioned in the outset, we purchased the series in at the beginning of January 2020. Um, tough timing on that front. We've really got a good foundation, I believe, of competition and drivers and a good mix of domestic and you know U.S. born and international stars. And we have a worldwide audience. As you look back, Michael, I mean, I know you're getting ready. I hope to go on a little vacation soon. Was there anything you do differently? Was there any lessons that you learned coming through all this and all the changes and and decisions you had to make? I think really the pandemic gave us uh, and everybody who runs events the ability to change some things maybe that you had wanted to do for a while that you weren't 
you were really a little reluctant to do or, or you, you knew there would be some pushback amongst the employees or the vendors. And so you, you never really did it. But this kind of gave everybody the opportunity to kind of take a deep breath and us to test some things out. And I think, you know, some things work and some things different. One thing that did work, I'll say, is that we've been kind of playing around with our catering um, company, Andiamo. We have Andiamo as our caterer and they have been for years. They're They're really good at what they do. But we've kind of talked over the years, do we switch it up? Do we change things? And and we really have never done it. Well, this year, again, with you know COVID, we did all prepackaged, fully wrapped items. And while I think we can improve on exactly what we did, everyone loved what they offered and how we offered it. And I think the big takeaway was that at an event like ours or really any outdoor event in the summer, you want portability. You want to be able to move your 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 food around. So if you pick up your your food from the from the catering spot, you want to be able to move around the venue with it. And we really learned that this year and, and certainly going into next year, we'll keep that as a part of our event as that, that kind of switch in our catering approach. So mm-hmm. one thing that worked and one thing that didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, an event of that magnitude, there's always going to be, always going to be those experiences, even in a typical, typical year, but, and the food was really quite good. Can you share with our listeners any of the changes you might be doing next year when we're going to be really fully open? We're going to take what we used to do in 19 and kind of go back to that and then, and then turbocharge it. We have, as a lot of particularly motorsports events do, we have a lot of the same recurring customers year over year. And we used to try to use the concert to bring um, a different fan in. And I'm not sure the way that we did the concerts in the past really accomplished the goal that we were trying to, to, to accomplish there, with, which is new fans. So I think you might see a little different approach to that area in 2022 in a way to kind of open up that area to a whole new fan. And, and really what the Grand Prix is supposed to be on Belle Isle, it's an experience and it's a festival. This year, it was a little less of a festival and a little more of a, of a professional race which is fine but we want to kind of get back to that nice balance between festival and and race you don't really need to be a race fan to come out to the grand prix and have a good time because there's usually so much off-track excitement and attractions including a concert like i mentioned and so that's what we want to get back to in 2022 it sounds absolutely fantastic i would be remiss michael if i didn't mention the investment that penske corp has made on Belle Isle. It's a whole other destination. I think many people who are, may not be race fans ha, ha, really need to come down and see and experience the race and be a part of it because uh, the, the island is beautiful. We are in a very unique situation in Detroit that we have this beautiful city-owned, state-managed park right in the middle of the Detroit River in between Canada and the city of Detroit. And it it is a beautiful setting, a beautiful park. The Detroit Grand Prix is a a 501c3 nonprofit, and our mission statement is to give back to Belle Isle. Our whole purpose for being is to give back to Belle Isle and reinvest anything into Belle Isle that we can. And, you know, since we started in 2007, um, with the help of all of our partners, we've invested just over 15 million into Belle Isle in various forms and infrastructures. You know, every year, I mentioned that fountain that's that's the backdrop for our winter circle. And every year with the help of DTE, we get that fountain going and it stays going for for the entire summer that's a fountain that's over 100 years old 
it was originally built as a, a kind of a an air conditioning unit <laughs> for <laughs> for the masses because there was no air conditioning back in the 20s and 1920s so it was built for people to go on to and cool off so that whole lower bowl there is made for people to wade into we don't do that anymore um, unless you win the race then people t- like to jump in the fountain but <laughs> um, but that's what it's originally there for and underneath there it's just it's just an amazing collection of pipes and 100 year old pipes it's not the easiest thing to maintain and get running every year but again with DTE and, and Robert Carpenter who's the engineer that does it all every year it's an amazing process so in addition to that we also have an event called the Grand Premier, which is the kickoff to the weekend, and it's our main fundraiser for the Bell Owl Conservancy each year. And um, we raised this year six hundred and twenty thousand dollars just in that one night alone that we donated directly to um, to the Bell Owl Conservancy. And over the last six years, we've raised over five million dollars for the Bell Owl Conservancy just through that event alone. In addition to you know that fifteen million dollars I mentioned that we've we've put into the infrastructures on the island. And so we're there to uh, to make the make the park better. Um, we're there to introduce new people to the park, and and we're there for for people to enjoy the park in in a little bit of a different way than you typically would on on an, a non race weekend. But um, we feel like it's a great fit there, and it's the Motor City. Right? It, it sure is. It sure is, Michael. Well, we're going to finish up, but thank you so much for your time. I know you have been. We're still working round the clock to uh, wrap things up, and hope you get a nice break in the near future. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, Tabby. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Pivot with a new interview posted on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. To listen to new episodes, or if you'd like to be a guest on this program, visit www.fulkersongroup.com for more information. Until next time, don't forget to renew, reinvent, and energize.